0: Hey man. Got it. Yeah, it's good to be here. Uh, I'm Ted Gill. Matt was correct. That is my full name. I will seriously hurt you if you use it. <laughs> my dad's name was Roosevelt. They didn't want me to be junior, so Theodore. However, I didn't necessarily always appreciate that, but It actually means God's gift, so there you go. Uh, So, we good with the slides yet there, bro? They're figuring it out. Hey, look, (laughs) if that's the worst thing that happens today, we're all right. (laughs) So, it's always amazing how you're... Sitting here, and you see how God puts together the service because there's things that we don't plan, talk about, and yet it all fits together. Now, I guess you can make anything fit together, but it's amazing how it really does sync up. So, Matt, a couple weeks ago, was talking about Peter. I'm going to be talking about Peter today, also. Peter is amazing and it's a beautiful thing about the scriptures, It's not just the highlights. When you take a look at God's people, God shows you the success and the failures. And that's encouraging because we go through success and failures all the time. And it's good to see that God still loves you even when you mess up. And he has a plan for you even when you mess up. And there's no better example of that than Peter. This is the guy who walked on water, and yet Jesus called him Satan. That's a big difference. But he was there for all the amazing things that Jesus did. And so if you want to talk about following Jesus, look at Peter. It's just an amazing example. And so we're going to be in First Peter, and we're kind of going to camp out there uh, for the sermon today. Now, one of the things about First Peter is, is that as a book of the Bible, it's probably been one of the most abused and misinterpreted for a long time. He talks about some very challenging things in there, about wives, he t- talks about slaves, masters. And those things and concepts have been twisted and misused for a long time. One of the things in any scripture you have to be aware of is you have to know who they're writing to, what they're writing about, and the context of how they're writing it. And so as you go through, I'm not going to unpack all of that today. We'd be here until like five o'clock. We're not doing that. But we are going to take a look, hopefully, about what Peter saw as important in following Jesus. Because Peter didn't make this stuff up. Peter was not a spiritual guy before he met Jesus. It's not like he was some scholar. He was a fisherman. But people noticed after the resurrection that, hey, wait a minute, this guy has been with Jesus. Because he was doing all kinds of Jesus-like things. So when you take a look at Peter, you see a lot about what's important. And so in 1 Peter, he's writing to the churches that were going through a lot. They were being persecuted externally. They were going through divisions internally. There was a lot going on. And the churches are now what you would consider, they were all like in Turkey, Uh, but they were having a hard time. And so he got word of that, and it was time to write them a letter to encourage them in their faith. And so in 1 Peter particularly, it's important to understand he's trying to encourage folks who are going through hard times, not just, okay, you know, where are we meeting on Sunday? No, it was like life and death stuff. And so what do you write to those people to keep them encouraged? What do you say to them? But that's what Peter was doing here. And so we're going to take a look. And um, there is a lot to kind of go through. I'm going to try and get through it as quickly as I can before we can get home before, like, the storm, like, blows us out the building. But there's some things we need to look at first. So in 1 Peter chapter 1, before we get into the lesson, let's go there. 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope, For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. Therefore, let's stop there. One of the things that you'll see throughout the Bible is that before you get to the therefore, there's gotta be something therefore. It's imperative. And the thing that's therefore, before therefore, is you gotta focus on your salvation. Because before you get up to the list of things to do, you have to clearly understand why are you doing it. And if you don't clearly have in place that this is about a response to being saved, to be in God's grace, and everything is coming out of that. If you don't get that, that everything that comes after, therefore, is a to-do list. And you will not last as a disciple if it's all about a to-do list. You won't do it. I've never seen it happen. People burn out. And then they have to, by God's grace, hopefully come back. But they give up because you can't do this on your own. You can't do this without the why. You will lose your faith if you try to do that. And so throughout the scriptures, you'll constantly sing, look, in light of this, now this. It's always, it's throughout all the scriptures. So I got to ask you before we go on to therefore, are you ready for therefore? Are you ready for therefore? I don't want you getting on my case about, you didn't know, no, I had warned you. Are you ready for therefore? Amen. I had no other sermon if you said no, but it was just like, I was hoping like you go with it, you know. All right, next slide. There are some themes throughout this letter because he wants us to get it, the point. And it's throughout the letter. He emphasizes it in different ways because he wants that bulb to light up. I get it. So he says here in First Peter 13, he says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. First thing you got to do, be alert and sober-minded. It's imperative. You want to you know what to do when you're in trouble, when you're not in trouble, when you're having a hard time, not having a hard time? Be alert and sober-minded. It says... Fully sober, not buzzed, sober and alert. Can you think of a time when Jesus wasn't alert and sober? I've never seen it, where somebody came up and asked him a question. He was like, oh, man, I got to get back to you on that. Uh, That's just got to look that up. That never happened. He was never unaware of what they were trying to do to him, how they were trying to trap him, catch him, kill him. This was no surprise. He was alert and he was fully sobered. Yeah, I know he made a lot of water into wine, but that was for the guests, it wasn't for him. He says, but before you can even set your hope on the grace, you gotta be alert and fully sober to be able to do it. He's gonna repeat this theme a couple more times because it's very easy in the kingdom to live in the bubble, the kingdom bubble, where pretty much you won't hear people cussing around here. (laughs) You won't hear that. And sometimes it's just like shocking when you get around people who curse all the time. It's just like, well, at work. And it's just like, wow, I forgot people curse that much. I forgot I curse that much. (laughs) It's just like, and it's just like you get into this church bubble and it's just like, wow, what's what's going on? And you can get into this dream world and just like, no, you got to understand what time it is. You got to be alert. You got to be sober. You cannot be distracted else you can't even set your hope yet. It's very easy to get distracted and busy. I know what that feels like. I've been through that. I've been through singles ministry and you're running here and there and you got this going on and chasing after your career. And I got married and had a wife and then, okay, now we got to focus on that deal over here. And now we got three kids, we're totally outmanned and outgunned over here. And so now we got to deal with that. There's a lot and it's very easy to get off on all this other stuff and lose focus. Not be alert to what's going on. Not understanding that, hey, you know what? There's a spiritual battle happening here. I gotta focus to understand what's going on out here. I can't be buzzed, faithful disciple. He says again over in First Peter chapter four, he gets into it again. He says, the end of all things is near, therefore be alert and sober mind so that you may pray. You can't even pray if you're not sober and alert. Can't even do it. It's hard. Trust me. I know when I give these messages, I'm usually talking to myself. I know I'm looking at you, but I'm talking to me. But I know how it is to be sleepy and try and pray. I know how it's to be distracted and try and read my Bible, and all of a sudden I'm reading the same verse like 20 times, and I'm like, look, stop. Go to bed. Do something. Get it together. You got to be sober and alert to even know what to pray about. What are we praying about? Just like... There's so much to pray about. And like I start thinking and just like, Lord, I, I gotta go to work. I mean, come, I mean, I gotta stop. It's so much to pray about. Because if you're alert and you're sober and you're looking around, you go, like, man, there's issue over here, and there's issue over there. And then the you know, the scripture pray unceasingly makes sense. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, it's a lot to pray for. He says, but you can't even do that unless you're alert and sober. He goes again in 1 Peter 5. He says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. The best weapon Satan has against you is your distraction. Just keep you distracted keep you busy, keep you focused on something else, keep you blinded to what's really going on until he can eat you alive. Now, this resonates with me a lot because I was in Kenya on safari and we were in the truck and we stopped by like this little outcropping. And the driver was like, do you see him? And we're looking in the bushes like, I don't see anything, but like, (laughs) what are you talking about? He says, no, look, keep looking. And we're looking and we're looking. And then finally people started, yeah, yeah, I see him. And they point and like, look right there. It was a leopard behind the bush, looking right at us. I have a picture of it. I don't want to scare you. It's just right there. But are you talking about being awake, I'm just like, "Whoa." I had no idea that bad boy was sitting right there. And they told us, they said, "Look, you can stay in the truck and you'll probably be okay. He says you step foot out this truck, all bets off. Do not get out the Jeep." And I can see why because you would have walked right by that and you would have never seen him. And then a little bit later, you would have been lunch. But we can get into this bubble like we don't even have an enemy. What enemy? Nobody's after me. Nobody's trying to destroy me. Oh, yeah. You sitting here as a disciple, you've got an enemy. You sitting here not a disciple, you're already enemy already got you. You're trying to get past the enemy at this point. You're trying to get free. You wanna talk some more about that, ask somebody who brought you, or you can talk to me, whatever. But you're already in the enemy camp. I was. Then I realized I gotta get out of here. But we can get distracted We get drunk on life, doing stuff, and not that there's anything wrong with doing stuff. It's great to have a great career. It's great to have your children. All this stuff is great, but if God is not at the center of it, if your salvation is not at the center of it, you are not awake, and you are not sober. And the enemy is looking. If Satan left Jesus for an opportune time, what do you think he's doing with you? What do you think he's doing? He's looking for the distraction. He's looking for when you're tired. You ever been tired and fall into all kinds of sin? Just because, oh man, come home all distracted and blow up at your spouse? And it's like, where did that come from? Well, because you went home and you didn't get focused before you, like Matt was saying, before you walked in the door and you just like blew up because you had a hard day, because the boss was all over you. And now your wife is asking you to go do something. My wife is at work today, so she doesn't know about all this stuff. <laughs> but I, you know, I've got quite the, the honeydew list. And it's just like, okay, but are you sober and awake? You know, what what are you doing? Why are you doing it? You know, why why are you going to get that honeydew list done? Because I don't want my wife to struggle too much. I don't want to struggle. But to get past that point, you've got to be aware of why. And if you don't... Stay conscious of the fact that the battle is not just out here or the struggle is just out here, but that you have an enemy who is after you. You got to wake up. You got to wake up, guys. It's not just all coincidence. I stopped believing in coincidence, something's happening for some reason. Just like Peter was telling these guys, he says, all these things came because your faith is going to be tested. There's a reason behind it. I may not know the specific reason, but I know there is a reason that one day it'll be revealed. But I can't set my hope. I can't pray. And I will not be able to defeat the devil's schemes unless I am alert and sober-minded. Peter got this from watching Jesus. He saw it all the time. And he's trying to get us to focus on what's important. Next slide. Love one another, the next big point that Peter gets to. So in 1 Peter, again, he's in one. He says, now that you have purified yourselves, By obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. He says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. How do those things go together? Again, Who's Peter looking at? He's looking at Jesus. He's looking at the love of Jesus. He's looking at his sacrifice, and he's saying that love covers over a multitude of sins. That's what he's pointing to. He's saying that love of God washed away our sins. Covers over a multitude. He says, but how are you to love? He says, sincerely and deeply. So to give you an example of what he's talking about, Jesus just didn't kind of leave it in the air over in John 15. He goes and he says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Again, he says, that was in 13, and 15, he says, this is my command, love each other. You got to kind of define like where you are with that. Because it talks about not only loving each other sincerely, but deeply. That's something between you and you got to work out with God to kind of develop that. To me, that's challenging because that gets into what am I praying about? What am I doing? What's my purpose? Because when you start taking the look at loving each other as Jesus loved us, it's sacrifice. It's not about being comfortable, it's about sacrifice. Now, the cool thing about Jesus is he showed us a way to like be sacrificial and still have a good time because he went to parties but he went to parties with a focus. Like my wife is really really good at this. My wife is amazing at building friendships and loving people deeply. She floors me. I mean, when Mackie gets a hold of you, you're done. You're you're done. You're you're a friend for life. And she will go anywhere, she'll show up, she'll do whatever and it flat wears me out. It does, it wears me out. Because she'll be like, hey, you know, we just got invited to go over here to this, you know, this couple and we're gonna go hang out and, you know, you're gonna be with the husbands. They love you. You need to spend some time. And I'm like, I don't wanna go. <laughs> I'm tired. It's been a long week. I've got a lot to do. I... And the... inevitably, She'll be like, I thought we were supposed to be saving souls. And I'm going like, oh. <laughs> all right, I'm getting dressed. I'll be uh, I'll be ready a little bit. Give me about a half an hour. But I'll be struggling and I'll be like, no, yeah, you're right. You're right. We get, we're always looking for opportunities to love not only each other, but other people. And how can I do that if I'm not there? How can I do it if I'm not there? But I it's I gotta fight it for that time. It's just like I I'm I'm a professional chill. You wanna learn how to chill? I got like a master's degree in chilling. My wife will ask me, what are you doing? Nothing. What are you thinking about? Nothing. I'm chilling. She will she refuses to learn how to chill. She will not. She won't do it. But I can chill. But I got to look at that and feel like okay. This past couple of weeks has kind of been like that I was drained, drained, spiritually. I mean, a lot of people at work had gotten laid off. It was like their last day. I wasn't one of them. But you know, when folks are leaving who you've been working with for a couple of years, and they're, you know, it's there. And then it's folks getting sick, folks getting very sick. And I was like, you know what, I was sitting at my desk and it was, I think it was Friday, no, it couldn't have been Friday, because I was at home Friday, I work from home. So it was Wednesday, I was burnt. I was like, you know what? It's like the office party was that, you know, at four o'clock, and I'm just like, nope, going home. Going home. Chief, chief officer was there, hey Theo, you going? I'm like, nope, not going. I had to put my headset on and I turned on my Spotify gospel collection that I'm got. And I had to just listen and continue to do my work because I wasn't gonna make it. I was just like, I'm done. But then I had to remember pray. And I literally had to say, you know what you need to do? You need to pray (laughs) because you're done. (laughs) And I was just like, okay, you got the spirit, you got the scriptures, you got your music going, pray. And I was okay by the time I got home, much better. But when you love deeply, and this is where I see it for me, when you love deeply, you're gonna feel stuff deeply and that's draining. And for me, sometimes I wanna protect myself from that drain, but that's going against the command. And so it's the thing that I'm really working on is just like when, I'm, when my mind first tells me, nope, you're tired, you need to chill. I go like, what's the command? Am I being loving right now? And then I pick up the phone and go do what I gotta do. But it's a struggle. When you love people deeply, it hurts. It hurts. Because you want to. You, you feel what they feel, you wanna be there for them, you wanna help them get through whatever they're going through, whether it's happiness, sadness, it, but it takes energy to be able to do that. And that's why you can't live this life without God's spirit being in you. You can't do this without praying and being alert and focused. It's so hard to do. But it is the command. Sometimes I keep pushing this. It's probably like the thing I talk about the most. This is not optional. Loving each other is not optional. And sometimes I think we can get there where it's like, it's okay, it's not okay. The thing that blows people away the most is when people come into the fellowship and see us together. It's just like they said, they come for the first time and they think like, oh, no, this, this ain't real. Maybe be like, they, nobody cares about anybody like that. Or, you know, why are you guys still hanging out? You guys, I'm, my old church, we would've been gone a half an hour ago. You know, Here, they're trying to kick us out. And, it's just, and they think, you know, I had a guy come to church, and he's just like, did you guys plan this for me? And I'm just like, dude, there's like 600 people here. You think we're all thinking about you? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean well, really? But he came back a few times and he realized, no, no, no this is straight up. They love each other and he got baptized. We've never seen anything like it. If we lose that, we've lost it. People have got to see us love each other sincerely, deeply, because we care. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. It covered mine, it covered yours. It's important. Next slide. The end of all things is near, 1 Peter, right, 4. The end of all things is near, therefore be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Look at what he says next. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Why would that even be there? This is like, I'm struggling, I'm getting persecuted, I got people outside giving me a hard time, inside giving me a hard time, and you're talking about hospitality without grumbling. I get it, I grumble. (laughs) Our house before COVID was just like, we had to get it like painted. It was, (laughs) people were like, in our house all the time doing this event, that event, it was just like we had some space and it's just like, come on over, let's go, let's do it. But doing it without grumbling? Why would that be important when you're struggling? Why is that even next? It's not there by accident. Because the danger is to go off by yourself. The grumbling part comes in because you don't really want to be bothered with anybody right now. And so the loving each other deeply is gone. You don't want to really, hospitality, no, no. We're not going, I'm having a hard time right now. I ain't going nowhere, you ain't going nowhere. Nobody's coming over, we're gonna sit right here. (laughs) We're gonna try and tough this one out. Satan's plan is always to get you by yourself, always. Anytime you start feeling like, I don't want to be around the fellowship, I don't want to talk to that brother or sister, I ain't going to where I ain't, Satan is watching. He's right at the door. He's just like, yep. Get a little further out there. I got you. One of the things you learn on safari, man, you go out there and you're alone, you're done. You're done. We used to we'd go around and one time we were there and I was fortunate because other folks went off in a balloon. I happen to stay. I'm like, I'm not going in no balloon going over wild animals. I was just like you crazy. I'm going to be in the G. And so it was just me and the driver. And we're going along and I'm sober and alert because I'm just like if this dude dies, I have no idea on how to get home. I don't know where the base is. I don't know what's going on. I'm in a world of trouble. But I put that on. I pray. But we're out there roaming around and it's just like, he gets something on his walkie talkie, and he just takes off. And he's just like, I want to, we got to see this. And we drove up, and we just parked. And it was one other Jeep there. And it's just me and the driver. And was just like, wait, 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 two full grown male leopards came walking by. They were literally where that mic stand is. I've never seen anything so big and imposing in my life. And they would just saunter, it was one on this side and there was one right over here, they split the truck. And he was just like, you don't get to see that in the daytime. I talked to the owner of the safari, she owns the safari. She said, I've never seen that in all my years. I was just like, whoa. If you're out there by yourself, you've got no shot. No shot. But that's why it's there. Offer hospitality without grumbling. Why? Because you need each other, especially when you're struggling. That's when you need the community the most. That's not when you, it's time to separate, that's when it's time to come together when you're struggling. Hey, having a hard time. Can you come over? That's the plan. That's the plan. He goes on from there and he says each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength. God provides, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Use whatever gift you have for others. That's something that resonates with me a lot also because one, you've been given a gift. If you don't know what it is, probably the people in your job has figured it out for you because that's what they're using you for. That's your gift. And then you've got gifts because you may have a job that's not using all your gifts because my job asks me all the time, you know, are you using all of your talents? And it's just like, no, because you don't wanna pay me, but that's another story. (laughs) Um, But you've got a gift. God says he's given all of us a gift. Are you using it to serve others to God's glory? Some of us have been blessed with some pretty high-powered jobs. You're great leaders. You're a motivator of people. And you've risen up in this corporate world, are you using that to serve the kingdom of God? I had some conviction about that. I said, there is no way I'm going to be an executive at work and not do something in the church, no way. It bugged me. I said, there's no way that God's gonna give me this talent that the world can see and not use it for God. It just bugged me. And I'm not saying something special, it's just that something that just bugged me. It was just like, you gotta find out what your gift is, and then you gotta find a way to use it. In the early days, for me, it was all about children's ministry and counting and doing ushering. That's when I was in Brooklyn. We were known for ushers and cleaning up. That's what we did. It was just like, okay, that's the way we get a chance to serve. And then it was counting. Counting is kind of weird because you got to walk up and down and count people. And they weren't like, who are you? What are you doing? But it's just like, okay, whatever. All right, got to count. And then it was children's ministry. We spent a lot of time in children's ministry. And it was great because I see them all grown now, and I'd be like, i got all kinds of stories. Man, you were crazy when you were a kid. <laughs> <laughs> you were flat crazy, man. You, you tried to get somebody to eat a bug, man. I saw that. No, that's a true story. They tried. They attacked the teacher in the back, man. They they got her down. The kid had a big old water bug. <laughs> he just tried to put it in her mouth, you know. And me and the other teachers, we're just cracking up. The children's ministry was better then. It was different. A, <laughs> that doesn't happen back there now. You know, no no kids attacking teachers with bugs. It doesn't it's with the early days. But true story though. It was funny. But what are you using your gift for God? Now, I know there are different seasons. I mean, when I was single and I was running and gunning and doing all this stuff, it was because I had the time to do it. But once I got married, and especially after we had kids, that wasn't possible anymore. And I felt guilty about it. It was just like I felt bad because I wasn't doing all the stuff that I could do before. And it took time to realize, no. That was one season. This is another. What can you do here? What's your ministry here? What, how can you use your gifts now? And so after that, you know, the kids are grown, and now we're almost empty nesters. And so now what can you do during this season? And so that's why, you know, you may see me doing different things, you know? So like I do teacher stuff. I do squad stuff. You know, they, drag me up here every once in a while to do this stuff, you know. But I just want to serve. It's just like I can't, I can't do more at work than I do here. That bugs me. But what he says is that you need to be a good steward, which means God knows what he gave you, and he's looking to see how you're doing with it. It's that old 10 talent kind of thing going on. It's like, okay, I gave you 10, I get this other one three, I get this other one five, you know, but what, what's the return of my investment here? I gave you something. If you're not alert and sober, if you're not loving, then why serve? It all fits together. They're not disconnected. And all of that should feed back into that same thing. If I'm not serving, then, hey, am I really loving? Hmm. If I'm not really loving, am I sober and awake? What am I focused on? You see what I'm saying? It all goes together. But it's important. God's depending on us to be able to do this. Next slide. says, greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. So Western culture, we don't go around kissing people to say hello, we don't do that. However, it's not uncommon in other cultures today. It's like you can go around and you can do the old, hey, hey, you know, kind of thing. It's still very prevalent. And in some cultures, yeah, you, know, you do greet each other with a kiss. He says, not, don't just greet each other, because again, you gotta remember the time and the place he's writing to. It's not just about, it's about intent. He says, yeah, I know how you guys greet each other, but is it a kiss of love? Yeah, you can say hi, but are you being loving? And that's one of the cool things I got to admit about being in the fellowship. And you, know, you can go around and say, love you, man. Look, love you. It's like nobody in my job is saying, look, hey, Ted, have a good week, man. Love you, man. <laughs> it's like, I haven't heard that once ever. Love you, man. Like, no, it doesn't happen out there. It happens here though. It happens here. And it's one of those things that we can't let that slide either. We got to understand that that means something. It should mean something. It should be something that when you say, hey, man, I love you. Yeah, I'm, we don't, may not get to hang out, but look, I love you. I'm with you. It needs to mean something. He says peace to all of you who are in Christ. Amen. Thank you.